Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Laura Sanko, and I am here for Room Service Diaries with Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell. And I am pumped to be here, man. I'm excited. I've seen this show, always wanted to be on it, so got the VIP treatment today. Hi. You made it. How are nice you? To you? Come on, bring it in. How are you? You know, you know this is Jabroni. I do. I always right. forget yeah, both. It's a pleasure to both too. of you are in person. Well, what I know about Luke and Brian is that they are some of the best minds in this sport. What the fuck are you doing? I mean, they're just, they're just good guys. They like having a good time. I have no idea what to expect from this, honestly, even though I've watched some of the Room Service Diaries shows. I was a little concerned fuck about your me. lack of discretion. Oh, Jesus, fuck. Man, this Tight. is nothing like what I thought it would look yeah, like. It's right. Yeah, it's even sadder. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you never know. I mean, these two are a little bit of a wild card. They can take it any direction they want, and I'm, I'm game. Let's do it. Now, do you have any um, lane changes, strategies you want to... You know, instill before this? No, I have absolutely zero guidance. Did you get the photos already? I've got my Dahmer glasses on. You know, I, I, I try to live my life a quarter mile at a time. Is this the doctor? Is this the <laughs> Just trying to figure it out. What you're talking about? Yeah, it's just this couch is Dude, we want time. She's a fighter. She is a YouTube star. She's an analyst. She's of many things, including the first lady of the Contender Series. And now she joins us in our pathetic studios for a conversation about it She's a professional broadcaster, Luke. Official <laughs> broadcaster. It's Laura Sanko, everyone. Swiss Army Knife. Swiss Army Knife. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing great. You could not look any bigger than you do right now. Yeah, they do this to me. They fuck with me here on the show. And I want them all to die. I and want you I, all to know. I forget how tall, but really both of you, I forget how tall both of you are. Yeah. Because I'm just used to seeing your little heads. Uh, yep. On screen. Yeah, that's my then... superpower to project fat and weak on the camera <laughs> and then, you know, project tall and weak, you know, upon. Uh... But he's really taken over the shot. But I like it. I like it. It's your, yeah. I mean, it's your show. Uh, we are here. It's UFC 281 Fight Week. What they got you doing this week? Uh, a little bit of everything, as usual. I've got the weigh-in show tomorrow, which that's absolutely one of my favorite things to do. I love that show. I feel like it's kind of the first time I've been able to. I don't know, let my personality loose a little bit. And then on fight night, I'll be backstage doing quick hits, which is like the kind of a social media behind the scenes interviews with the winners and celebrities and stuff like that. So I'm a little surprised because I don't know if it's an ESPN call or a UFC call or a combo of both. And we'll talk about more of the, the commentary. I'm surprised they don't have you on the desk in between. Yeah. Have there been any discussions about there that? Have, there have. I think I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to be a thing. A lot of it was scheduling. So like the, the quick hits... 
um, is an important property for them. And they really, Dane in particular, really likes me doing it. So um, it's kind of, it was a thing that he started with me in mind. And then I would love to, you know, do the ESPN desk when I can. It's just a little conflict of schedule. But we're working, we're working around it, Luke. Yeah. Well, I got to say, the last, like, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like the last four years or so, they've been good years for you, right? They have. I think. Would you say it's about 2018 where the worm started to turn? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely think Contender Series was yeah. the turning point for me. And in fact, a lot of people think that that's where I started, and it's not. You know, obviously, there were, I was working um, the backstage Fox stuff before then for the UFC, and then of course Invicta before that. So it really wasn't my start. But the fact that most people think it is will tell you how big of a turning point it was for me. And how have the, I mean, how's it been? Like, tell me what, tell me how your life is different now, if, if you can say <laughs> well, something like that. It's weird. I mean, I just never. I sometimes have to sit back and pinch myself, even sitting here, honestly, like I, not that long ago, really not that long ago, I was a fan at home, scheduling my entire social life around when the next pay-per-view UFC event was going to be, because they were not that frequent. That's our lives right there. Yeah, they were not that frequent. And like, you try to figure out, okay, what bar is showing it, get all my friends together. So it's, it really is wild to, to see, um, I don't know, just to see what I've been able to carve out in the last couple of years. But sometimes it takes these moments for me like to sit back and really look at it because I'm such a what's next, what's next person. Yeah, and but you've you've made not just uh, dramatic movements, which we're impressed by, and we, we congratulate you because it's not an easy business, not an easy business to navigate. You've stuck to your guns of who you are, a fighter, somebody that understands the game, and now you're not the first female uh, analyst in UFC history because didn't we have one at UFC 1? Kathy, Kathy Long. Kathy Long, so the, you know, that was day one, but it has been a long time. Yeah. You've made a leap in that direction, so you know, I'm not like, how does it feel to be a pioneer? But really, yeah. how does it feel to, to represent something a little bit bigger than just, hey, your career's going in a great direction at the moment? It's cool. I, I have a hard time using that word for myself, um, but I always appreciate what other people do. <laughs> it's, it's certainly pioneering work, it's, right? You know, I, th I think for people who don't understand, and you guys certainly do because you're in this business, I think for people who don't understand the very distinct lanes that, that uh, exist in television, maybe they don't get how difficult it was for me to switch lanes. Yeah, explain what that means, lanes. So when I say lanes, you know, there are, there are well-trained broadcasters um, that – Quite often, and, and, and I'll, I'll even go so far as to say, most of the time when you have a female who went to broadcasting school, she'll become a reporter or a host or an anchor. And it's sort of that, that person has the TV chops. They are excellent at the flow of the conversation. Um, and they usually went to school for this. And then you've got the rest of us who hopefully you're there to hear our opinion. So to take me, so that's the, your color commentators and your analysts, usually people who have an intimate knowledge of the sport or have something to say that people want to hear. So to go from, you know, a reporter who very much looks like she should be a reporter to finding a way to have a voice in the sport and oh, just trying to get people to listen to it and respect it. And I, I, I know I tell you this all the time, but I feel like I have to say it again. Like you don't, it's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> both of you guys. Uh, but you in particular, like, you were one of the first, if not the first person to publicly and outright say, wow, Laura Stanko has got smart things to say about MMA. And it wasn't just, hey, she's cute or she's, you know, she's got a bubbly personality or whatever. It meant so much to me 
when you when you said that. In fact, I like I remember like laying in bed and I I clipped it and I showed it to my husband and I posted it because it was it was a big deal and it's it's taken um, a lot of time to get to get that that momentum and that ball rolling. Like, hey, she's not just this reporter lane because the reporters it's a really tough job. Like. Megan is so good at what she does. When when, she, when they when they time those walkouts oh. and she nailed, I cannot. It's that's incredible. that's walking a tightrope. Yeah, walking a tightrope. That's like roller skating incredible. and then taking information down over the phone at the same time. And, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, it, honestly, she and John Anik have the hardest jobs when it comes to fight night. Megan O'Leary, John Anik. I mean, they get my applause all day long. It is an incredibly difficult job. Uh, same thing with the desk host. It's it's a really tough skill yeah. set. They're all different flexings of the yeah. muscles but to touch on what you feel like you kind of overcame we can't you know we weren't the same journey we're not females it's a different but you know we're ex-reporters you know non-fighters yeah who to some degree are looked at for our analysis yeah. you know i call boxing fights luke does along with me luke's been one of the leading you know non-fighting analysts in the game but somebody who obviously knows his shit so I think we can at least relate on when you finally feel like you have a little bit of credibility. Mm -hmm. It does mean more than the, the money, the followers, the, yeah. the you know, at, at that point when, when you get that credibility and you got it right away because you could do the job. But, you know, that, that really matters. You know, that, it does. That's it, fuel. That's it does. And I remember, like, I remember sitting next to whether it would be Paul or DC or Bisping calling fights. And I would definitely have these moments in my head where I'm like, holy fucking shit, I'm calling fights with Daniel Cormier. Like, do, does anyone, like, are they sure I should be here? You know, I know I should be there and I know I have uh, things to say, but there's also that, that there's a little bit of imposter syndrome that, that creeps in yes. now and then that I, that I really have to battle. But at the end of the day, uh, I know that they, they respect me sitting there. It took a while. It, it took a lot of stuff like behind the scenes getting their respect and not demanding it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it took a long time of just sort of being one of the guys, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. Ooh. It also takes time to block the haters as Luke knows. I mean, he'll block people for looking at them the wrong way <laughs> on, on social yeah, media. I don't, I don't tolerate fools gladly. Yeah. I never go. will. Yeah. Um, what was the turning point? What was the, what was, the, was there a moment or a thing that somebody in position of power saw that was like, okay, let's give her a shot. This is a great story. Um, and I have to give credit to this entire, everything that we're talking about, I really have to give credit to Dana. And I know that that makes me sound like a total homer and people already, you know. It makes you sound like Michael Chandler, but I get it. Okay? <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 I understand that. But so it was the first, the first year of Contender Series and he doesn't always wear his uh, earbuds. In fact, he usually doesn't during Contender Series because he just wants to watch the fights and not be influenced by commentary. Um, and for whatever reason, he threw his earbuds in. And like in the middle of the show, he got up from his spot and came in the back and I was absolutely fucking terrified. I thought I was getting fired for some reason because there were a couple times where when I went to announce those winners and I'm not an announcer, didn't come out so great. So I thought it was like, we're done with you. But he came back and he just goes, you know how he is. He's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> you really know your shit. And I was like, yes, sir, thank you, I do. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, literally everything, he's like, look at my notes, literally everything I wrote down is what you asked them. And I was like, yeah, I know. I like, I like talking about the fight, not just the storylines. He's like, I'm gonna watch you, you know? And then, I don't know if it was that week or not long thereafter, 
I always knew I could do more. Like I always knew I could do more than relay information that was given to me, which is largely what being a reporter in the UFC on camera is. It's again, very difficult, but like I wanted to have an opinion and I wanted to have thoughts. And so I got a little bit drunk one night after the contender series. Oh I was shit. In my, there. in my room. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to DM Dana. And so I was like, hey, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, like for putting me on this show. It's been amazing. I fucking love it. And just so you know, like one day I will be the UFC's first female commentator. Nice. I was, I had to have been hammered because like, who does that? I've been, I've been with your company <laughs> a year and a half now. I had one professional fight in Invicta, but I was just like, fuck it. I know I can do this. And I sent it to him and, and I, I don't, I think I immediately regretted it, but like he, it was like three o'clock in the morning. He responded. He's like, I believe you. And that was the end of the conversation. Okay, that's a good. It wasn't response. like a. I, like that I know, response. I know. That, it wasn't really... like a. Oh yeah, we're putting you there. Right. But it was like it was it was it was the perfect response. He didn't have a laughing emoji. No, no, and he didn't ignore it. And um, and there's been several moments like that since then where he has been very much an encourager of this to happen, and I appreciate. That. I'll say this: this is a true story. Like. It really is fake it till you make it, to be quite honest with yeah. you. I called the very first pro show in Washington, D.C. in May of 2007, and I was working a Bloody Elbow at the time, and I remember I called the promoter just for an interview, and he was like, yeah, we don't have anyone calling. The, we don't have a color commentator yet. And I've never done literally zero <laughs> television work, nothing. You're like, and I told him, yeah, I could do it. Like, I don't even know what came over yeah. me to do it. He gave me that yeah. job. He gave me the job, and then uh, the guy who was the ring announcer was one of the morning hosts, like the most famous morning show host in D.C. They started having me on their show to do UFC analysis. Then I got a show on that station. Then I got on Sirius XM, and it just, it kind of all ballooned. Like, you just have to create your own future. You have to do it. I've had other careers as well, and it, it, it's a running theme throughout my life that I have been criminally, like, uh, I don't want to say unprepared because I was prepared, but un under-credentialed yeah. to be put in a lot of the spots. But it was always me saying, when someone would ask, I'd say, yep, I can do that. And then in my mind going, I'm all, well, now i got to figure out how the fuck to do that. Yeah. But I did, whether it was PR well, or finance or whatever. I think we all eventually hit a, hit a crossroads moment, but not everybody goes in the direction that that we've luckily been able to go where we just kind of go all in on ourselves. And sometimes you're forced to do that financially or sometimes yeah. you're forced to do that because you're so frustrated that you're like, F it. You have your total F it moment. And then I think a lot of people get to that point and they just go, well, I don't have that in me. So I'm just going <laughs> to go the other direction. And, and you know, but you went after it and I can totally uh, respect that and feel your passion. And, and, and I mean, like passion is the thing at the end of the day that you can't teach. Yeah. Um, when did you get that injected with that passion for this fight game that like if you didn't have, you would have been quote unquote found out, right? Like we sometimes yeah. we feel like imposters. Yeah. You would have been an imposter if you didn't get injected with a passion for the game. That's such an interesting question because it really, this sounds so stupid, but it really started when I was like four. <laughs> I remember my dad used to travel a lot to Asia and he brought back this little gi and it was right when Karate Kid came out. And I don't know why my parents let me watch Karate Kid because I was raised in like a super conservative Christian home, but somehow I watched it. I know it. why, because it was the 80s and 90s and there were no rules back then and parents were like, get out of our house <laughs> yeah, for the day. Yeah, yeah. Go find trouble, yeah. I, I just fell in love with that movie. I fell in love with the notion of like, uh, I guess maybe smaller people finding ways to um, 
be powerful, if that makes sense. And so I remember like I put on that little gi and I'd be on my bed jumping crane kicks or whatever. And then it really just went from there. I, I did karate all through high school, I got my black belt. And then I really didn't do anything during college. And I kind of thought, cause I didn't compete in karate. I thought it was kind of all in my past. And I just went through a really tough time in my personal life. Uh, and it was Rob Kimmons. I don't know if you know who Rob Kimmons is. He's yeah, an old, yeah, the, the yeah. Muay Thai guy, right? Well, Rob Kimmons, he did do Muay Thai, but he was one of the first UFC fighters out of the Kansas City area, like old school. Well, I'm thinking school, of Rob Kimmons or somebody. Maybe else. I think you are. Yes, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So Rob Kimmons, um, he didn't oh, have Kimmons. Yeah, Rob Kimmons. Yeah, K I M M O. Sorry, oh, I misunderstood you. I yeah, Rob Kimmons. I stumbled on him at like a normal weightlifting gym, and he was working out and. I kind of just never let go. Like he, at first he was like, no, you can't train with us. You know, like get, get, get the fuck out of here. I just kept sticking around and asking and asking. And um, I think if I can point to a, a, a specific moment when like I fell in love with MMA, it was probably my first amateur fight. I don't, it's really impossible. So what year was this? Because your first pro, your only pro fight was 2013. When was your first amateur fight? Uh, 2009? Okay. And I've got some that aren't on there. It's not, I, you know, the difference between six and eight isn't that big. <laughs> I have eight fights, people. <laughs> um, I can't wait eight times. Was any at the Lava Shack outside in the parking lot? Oh, I fought in a barn once. I fought a girl on meth. That's you know, it's, wild. It, was, it was wild. At a party or at an official? BC fights girls no. on meth every Friday. <laughs> It was a, it was an, it was an official, unofficial fight. I don't know. Yes, I don't know. It's, it was the first a, MMA fight I ever went to. This is true. Was in a billiards hall. Yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere in Missouri and, you know, not a great... Okay, but you yeah. seem like a very well-adjusted, normal person in a very <laughs> abnormal industry being and the operative sport. <laughs> Look, See, we... Yes. we I, Little do you know. I have so much respect for fighters, but for them, for you to overcome that barrier that prevents me from taking that leap, yes, maybe it helped that you grew up in martial arts, yeah. but for you to sign down and say, no, I'm going to take an amateur fight... Was that an easy leap for you? Because that's the point where most of us get on the couch and order the paper. Yeah, like, what was going on in your life where, like, hey, I'm going to have an amateur MMA fight make, made all the sense? Yeah, I well, I don't really know. I my my I definitely didn't have like a. I mean, I not at all a rough upbringing. In fact, I had a very vanilla, wonderful upbringing. Like my parents were upper upper middle class, and like. I never hurt for money and never got into trouble and made great grades. It was like salutatorian in uh, Kansas City. Yeah. yeah, I lived I lived here in New York. You for were salutatorian of your high school. I was, and I was graduated fifth in my class at college. Like I've always, I was wow. always, yeah. Get after that, wow. I was <laughs> summa cum laude. Um, You're more of Luke Thomas area because William and Mary grad. I'm the community college. Phi Beta Kappa <laughs> was founded at William and Mary. How about that? Yeah, I mean, but Take you know, that. that's people that need those things. Yeah. Sororities, fraternities, you know, they're like people who have, want jobs. I have yeah. a not so secret crush on his vocabulary. Like I there are literally yeah. times where I just gush over certain words you use. You know, it's so unlike all my other experiences in MMA where people are like, why are you talking like that? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's just how I, I fucking it. talk. I know. I love if it. He would be willing to dye his hair one time. I think I'd have a crush on him, too. But uh, he, <laughs> he, he likes the old, you know, I'm going gray like it's a contest. I mean, I really, it's just, it won't, it won't yes. fucking stop. Yes. It just, yes. the gray just is eating me alive. You can fight back, though. No. 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 Not with that shoe polish fucking no. Elvis Not Presley, 1975. No. No. You do? I overdid it that time. No. This okay. fucking guy. Laura, did you do looked, it? Oh, yeah. Laura. He is, will that, is this die right no, now? No, 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 no. no, no, no. He will show up, like, he won't say shit. 
and then we'll we'll show up on set and look like a look like a, a fucking person? like a game show host. I did. Who's in the last I looked like of his Elvis career. from the '68 comeback special with the leather black leather. I mean, I was just jet black, but it didn't work. Why do man. Why do men feel like that matters? I don't know. I don't. It doesn't know. matter. Yeah, men men are insecure. That's why. You know? Well, so are we. But like, it, it, it just I'm telling you, as a woman of a certain age, I'm. A few weeks out from turning forty, like it doesn't. It does not welcome. matter. Yeah, welcome. It doesn't image doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, it does. Well, image does, but gray hair doesn't. Oh, gray hair doesn't. Like you yes. can't be a fat giant like slob, right. but you know, gray hair. I mean, Luke's a silver fox. I'll exactly. Give him that's that, what I'm right? saying. You're both silver foxes. If you would just own it, Brian. Like let let it let it shine. Let the gray. Let, let it, the gray just take you away. I'm that take, factory town hero that just realized away. that the factories are closed. Every right? time I look in the mirror, I'm like, how the fuck did I turn into Gandalf overnight? Yeah. <laughs> Overnight, uh, overnight. When you posted that picture of you as a Marine. Oh, yeah, 19 years old in that picture. Yeah. 19 years old. I, and someone in the, the, in the comments was like, hey, you don't look half bad. I'm like, I haven't always been a Dodge Omni. I might be one now, oh, but I haven't always been a Dodge Omni. Hey, fuck you, you always been a Dodge Omni. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of those I've guys. I've depreciated in value. That you're torn looking at. You're like, he may have had a prime. It's possible. It's possible. You know? Well, he proved he, it today on Twitter. Yeah. Post, post your 19-year-old picture, fucker. I had a goatee that curled under to here. <laughs> did you really? I did. Stop. And what I, year is this? Uh, did you uh, wear this puka shell necklaces? Seven and eight, and you know those two calendar years, I did not do well with the ladies. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a surprise, right? Yeah. Laura, if we, let's get back to this for just a second, if we may. We're talking about. I, I, I thought my transition. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just, just barely, you describing you know. living in the no fucking section. As interesting <laughs> as that is, uh, I have to tell you though, I do wonder about some of the attitudes you might get in the sport, right? Because. Online, it's just hard to tell what the perception is. I see a lot of positivity around. Yeah. Uh, hey, look at this woman doing this amazing things. And uh, I had my wife listen to your commentary, and the first thing she said was like, "Yo, she does her homework." Like it was just obviously apparent. His wife once rolled with Roxanne Modafari. That's oh, true. Did she really? Yeah, yeah, she did. But um, oh, you thought I was going to demean her? That beautiful woman. Yeah, if you did, we'd have some problems. But uh, but on the other side. I do wonder what it's like because I don't have your job, I don't have your life, I don't have your career. But every time I put out even a video where I'm breaking down something, yeah. I always wonder, like, you know, is it going to be accepted or whatnot? You got a job doing commentary, still with Contender Series, not full on UFC events, before any other female fighters got it. Yeah. I wonder if you faced any pushback for that. Well, for sure. I mean, there's there there's a whole. I mean, you don't have to dig very hard on Twitter to find there's a whole contingent of people that love to point out. Like, well, even just the other day, I I did um, another radio show, and I was, you know, like you, I like I I do. I'm curious about how people are receptive, especially when I do kind of more in depth analysis and not just, hey guys, here I am. Um, and a, a lot of positivity, but then there's like someone that's always like, she's a she's a J Johnny come lately from ESPN that knows nothing about the sport. And I'm like, well, first off, I don't even work for ESPN. Second of all, I mean, I've been, I know I don't have the longest topology. I get that. It's, it's teeny, teeny, tiny, but I've been in the sport in the, in the, the trenches of the sport. I'll even say since 2006, like I'm still training. I just got my Brown belt. Like hey, I, I, thank nice. you. Thank you. I, uh, you know, but I just kind of I try to I try to shake that stuff off because the people that matter in my world, the people that are there to open more doors and the doors that I really want open, they get it. And so at the end of the day, I just got to shut it out. And I will say this probably more more positive than not. I was a little scared, especially when I first did the LFA fights like the jump from Invicta to LFA was felt like a big jump. 
And then, of course, the jump from LFA to Contender Series also felt yeah. like a big jump. And every time I've made that jump, I've been pleasantly surprised by male and female reception of, but yeah, there's a lot of like, why is it her and... Well, there's going to be sharks, right? If yeah. It, if, it's a, if it's a pool worth swimming in, there's going to be sharks. And I'm for sure, listen, I'm, so, I'm totally like, everyone knows I'm fucking Dana. And, <laughs> you know... Well, if you, I, didn't, and, I wasn't expecting you to break and news And my here. boss. <laughs> and, yeah. and my no, boss. You, though, and any guy I've ever seen with. They're on the to internet. total facts. But do you echo what, like, the pro wrestlers will say when they retire? What I learned in this business is you can either have friends or make money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point in, yeah. in this game, maybe in any corporate structure where people are trying to make their moves... Um, you do have to at some point protect the brand, right? And just not, and be like, I mean, Luke doesn't give a damn. I actually respect it to a degree. I, do I don't too. get it. But like, Why he doesn't give on me? a damn what people, what his followers, he'll try, <laughs> he's like $30 to ask a single question, but they still pay it, Luke. But you, you don't care about them at all. But us normal people, we have like <laughs> heartstrings and like yeah. we're reactive sometimes. In, in no True. way, shape or form are you a normal person. I want so, um, I mean, I guess you got to just, you know. Is there a question there? No, it's just it's just people that you know people that have crawled through and, and made it. Luke, they they like to have sometimes they like to sit around and just talk about their yeah, success. Yeah, you know, war stories. Successful people. Yes. I will say this: and hearing you talk about this and like you know some of the bullshit I've done to get ahead at all, I hate the things you have to do to win in this world. I really yeah. do. Like the you have to like Pete, you got to play the game. Luke. Whatever whatever little bit of success I've tasted has taught me. It's like now I know why assholes finish first. Yeah. Right? Don't I, you feel that way? I do, I do, but I'm I'm genuinely trying to like combat that because I I have that converse the conversation we're having right now, I have with myself all the time where it's incredibly frustrating when certain things play out the way that they do, or certain people have yeah. attitudes that are completely unjust and unprovoked and whatever. There's a lot of like, um, she shouldn't be having the success she's having, so let's you know, it has been fast. I will say that. Yeah. Or, or I know you worked all that time and then there was the turning points at around 2018 yeah. or so, but it has been meteoric since then anyway. For sure it has. And I've worked my ass off for it. That That's probably the part I get. Um, Long time in the cocoon before the wing show. Yeah, fair enough. I love that, Brian. Fair enough. I'm fair stealing enough. that. Oh, I'm stealing <laughs> I'm still wiggling out of that cocoon over here. Uh, I don't remember what the question yeah, was. Yeah, me neither, but yeah. I got a great follow-up. All right. So the the real drug in this game in broadcasting, in my opinion, is being able to lay your finger on a fight at the soundtrack. You're not in the cage anymore. You know, I'm not in the boxing ring, but somebody decided it was a good idea to pay me money to put on a suit and help, you know, author or throw a dab of myself onto the soundtrack of the call. Yeah. Being there is a drug, separate from the money, the prestige, the, oh, this is all I ever wanted to do but didn't think I could actually get here. The drug of me showing up every time is that I'm inches away from a live fight and whatever the hell I react is is the the record of, yeah. of no you know I'm not trying to put too much pressure on a call because you can watch it without the volume like Luke and nobody knows what we're talking <laughs> about but do you feel that drug every contender series when you go out there that there's an energy there's something insanely fun and dangerous here and I'm right in the midst of it 100% I do and it's not unlike fighting it really isn't and that's probably why I was so drawn to this side of things because when I knew I wasn't going to return to fighting after having my son I had to stay close to the sport. Like, it's too much in me. It's too much in my bones, too much a part of my day-to-day -day life to just not be involved somehow. I would have been a manager or an agent, something. Um, but, yeah, the, to sit there and to be able to, I think the word you used is perfect, to author 
to communicate the art that someone is is displaying. And I think, I think for me, because of the way that I stepped away from the sport and like there never was an atom weight class in the UFC. So there like there wasn't a reason for me to push on that side of things. Um, I think that I live vicariously through the fighters, and I mean all of them. Like win, lose, or draw, you might even be fighting a teammate of mine. I still like care about telling your story as, as properly as I can. And when I say story, like the story of how you express yourself in a fight and doing my best to do it justice. And to me, because I don't have a belt to point at or a long topology page or whatever, I know I have to compensate. Right. And I do that by doing an inordinate amount of research on everything I can, which let me tell you with road to, road to UFC. Not easy. It's so hard. The was, names alone are hard to pronounce. I, I, I'm not overly proud of my commentary on that show because it is, it is so incredibly difficult to keep the names straight and to keep people's stories straight. And we don't have any background information on them. It's very different even than contender series. We don't get like the, the sit down, like kind of get to know them as a person and be able to attach a story to who they are as a also, fighter. Also, it's a two-man booth, not a three-man, correct? Yes, and I'm the only, yes, exactly. That was another jump that felt scary at the time because there's a little part of me that's like, well, they'll accept me as this third wheel that chimes in and says things here and there, but, you know, which is totally fine. I, I, I don't mind that. I actually like that role. I get that DC, Mike Bisping, Paul Felder, whoever, those are the guys. I just want like a seat at the table. But then when I'm the only one at the table, it's like, well, here we go. You know? For women who want to get into broadcasting in combat sports, what's your advice? What's the, what are a couple good lessons you've learned? Um, you have to do a lot for free first and a lot. Oh, yeah. um, and, and, and that, and just accept that. Like the first, MMA media gig I had was for when Titan FC was back in Kansas City all the time, mm -hmm. the old days on Access TV. I just really wanted to go to the fights because a lot of my friends were fighting on it and I just wanted to go to the fights and sit cage side. Um, so I offered, I don't remember the name of the blog, but I offered some blog like, hey, I'll sit there and type out blow by blow, horrible recaps. Like then he threw a left hand next. Like it was atrocious. Who would, who would want to read that? But it was a reason like I got a ticket. I didn't make any money, but I got a ticket and I got to sit right next to the action. And that was like, that was 2009. So all um, those hours mattered by the way, in the end, they all, and they, did. they all put, make the puzzle. They're all important pieces. In the they end. did. So like, even as an amateur, I, I obviously wasn't anywhere close to commentating or communicating what I was seeing, but I was looking at fights differently. I think than. I would have otherwise, for sure. So anything else besides working for free at the start? Okay, so working for free at the start and just accept that that's okay. Um, if you have specific sites set on the UFC or a big promotion, like you got to figure out what promotion is a is a feeder to that promotion and try to like, and if you can't get in with a fight pass uh, promotion, then you figure out, okay, who feeds into those, yeah. you know, and then start start climbing the ladder and start putting yourself out there and offering to do things. Like, I think that's the biggest thing too. You, you, you can't wait for opportunities to come yeah, to no you. No one's going to be able to 
no one's advocate shit. for you yeah, no. better than yourself. And I had to learn it like corporately, the long, hard way of like, you know, hard work isn't enough. You got, you know, yeah. if the person above you that has the ability to hire you doesn't know that you're interested in being hired, yeah. then it's the end of the conversation right there, right? You know, that's 100%. It. You have to, you have to chase it down. You got to call up that local promotion and say, hey, I know you're not on TV, but like I could do some interviews and put them on a YouTube page. Oh, we don't really thought about that, you know? Anything like that, and and then just don't don't stop. But in terms of like specifically being a woman, um, I think is the I have to be twice as good rule. Yeah. Effect. Yeah, for sure. And I and I'm mortified when I make mistakes. Like yeah. mortified to the point where it really keeps me up, and I can I'm running through them in my head right now. Mm. Um, and. You know, the guys that do the commentary make mistakes all the time, and it's no big deal because people make mistakes. You're going to use the wrong name for a submission or whatever. It's really hard to talk for seven hours Jesus. and not say something that's not perfectly correct, right? But, yeah, every I do feel the pressure to to not fuck up <laughs> and because it's not just about me. Um Again, I, I don't. I don't. Again, I don't like using the word pioneer, but I do feel like well, it's a responsibility. It, there is a there is a mantle of responsibility because if whoever it is, but it happens to me, it happens to be me, goes out there and completely bombs or is feeds into some sort of stereotype that yeah. people might have about a female commentator, and everyone's like, "Oh, we didn't like that." That ruins it for a lot of other women, and there are a lot of women coming up that are going to be capable of doing this job very soon. I feel like, I think I said this to you when we did our interview sure. right after I got the Contender Series gig. I, I happen to be at a very unique crossroads of having the fight knowledge, having the actual practical knowledge, the jujitsu knowledge, the striking knowledge, um, and then having the television chops, enough of the television chops. There just are not that many whim, women who live at that crossroads yet, but they're coming up. And I hope that... The future is female, everyone. I just <laughs> to let you know that, Luke, okay? The future isn't... The I future mean, is it's not exclusively tookies, female. Tookies, all right? The future right. is we your daughters, hope. okay? <laughs> we certainly hope. Yeah. Um, uh, now, to backtrack on your story a little bit here, just so I have all the pieces in place, you got your... The very first, like, real gig yeah. was what? Like, something on YouTube <laughs> for, you know... Fuckface MMA doesn't count. Okay, real gig would have been Invicta. Okay, how'd yeah. you get that gig? Uh, Shannon Knapp, the owner at the time, literally called me out of nowhere. Um, I had either just had my son or I was maybe even still pregnant at the time. I think I had just had my son. And she probably knew, you know, MMA was not ever going to be, I shouldn't say it. I wanted to have an MMA career if, if it was going to be in the UFC. But for Invicta to be the apex was not enough for me financially or time-wise. So I think she kind of knew that. And she just called me out of nowhere and was like, hey, Marlos Kunin is coming to town. We don't have a sideline reporter. Would you be willing to interview her on air? And I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And then I proceeded to say, but Shannon, you do know I've never held a microphone before. I've never <laughs> looked at a camera before. I don't. And she's like, you'll be fine. I can tell you're going to be good at this. So kudos to her too. And that led to Fox Sports? And that led to, yes, that led to an audition with uh, with Fox Sports, uh, w specifically for the UFC, it wasn't like Fox Sports in general. They I were see, okay. they they auditioned me actually they auditioned me as an anchor, and I had 
never worked with multiple cameras. I had never worked with it's uh, not so easy, is analysts. it? Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. It was so awful. People don't, I mean, I have a hard time with it still. If they don't have the trail lights on them, it's oh, hard God. to follow which way to I'd go. Never, I'd never read from a teleprompter. Like, that's right. still to this day, that's the only time I've ever read from a teleprompter, which is incredibly, I mean, I could, I mean, I get Ron Burgundy. I understand his pain. <laughs> they could have put anything in there, and I would have said And so it. did you do, so you didn't do any PBC unboxing no. uh, with you, with, uh, with Fox, just I did not. UFC? I did not, just UFC. So they... They auditioned me, and I'm sure they were like, well, she is definitely not cut out to be an anchor, but knows her shit, so let's see how she does as a reporter. But even and then, when it went to ESPN, because uh -huh. Contender Series didn't start till the ESPN era, correct? No, it was before. It was on was Fight it? Pass only. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Excuse back me. in yes, the, no, saying, back in the old it school, it was 90, I'm not exaggerating, 97 degrees where you see me doing those interviews <laughs> in this hallway. 97 degrees. And full of marijuana smoke in the in the first few weeks when they were just letting Snoop, Snoop do his do, thing. Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. What a, what a time to be alive. Reminds me of the studio. What is, what is, I was hoping for more our of a cloud when I walked yeah. in, to be honest. Well, our cameramen have all, uh, you know, vaped and in, in, ingested edibles instead of smoking right in front of us. They're very strategic <laughs> in their intake, you know, big fans of these guys. Everyone looks very mellow as I look as I look out. Well, I mean, TikTok is very important when you're filming a show, you know Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I don't see how Luke could go. You know, Greg, I, I love you as a broadcaster here, but you did something most of us scumbag MMA media members will never do. And in 2013, was it Invicta 3? Invicta 4. Invicta 4. Invicta 4. You took on, hey, recent BKFC fighter. Oh, yeah. Nancy I forgot about that. Rob, yeah, yeah. And I believe you submitted her in round one. So this... You know, not footnote of your life. This, in a lot of ways, is most responsible for the work you're doing right now, right? I mean, you for lived sure. that life. How do you look back on that as like, oh, that was awesome and I was awesome? <laughs> or, I mean, where were you, where was your headspace turning pro in 2013? You know, at the time, I really, I I thought it was going to be off to the races. And just, just to see, okay, just to see what I could do in Invicta. Because, again, this is pre-Ronda. It's right before Ronda, but it's still pre-Ronda. We don't really know is this experiment of women in MMA going to be a real thing or not? Or is yeah. it just going to be like, oh, let's have Ronda and then never mind. Um, so it very much felt like I was at the apex um, of MMA for women at Carano the time. Toronto and Cyborg had opened people's eyes that it's possible yes. in a lot of ways. Yes. But it, it hadn't taken yet. Right? Yes. I said it before, when I first started covering MMA, they had three-minute rounds. Exactly. For women. Like, that, was, that changed while I was covering this shit. It was... Yeah, it was very, very different times. But I did envision like, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, I'm going to work my ass off and become an Invicta champion. You know, I, I was on that card with Amanda Nunes and Paige Van Zandt mm. and Carla Sparza, and I think Jessica Penny was on it. Like, you go down that card in particular, it's just this all stars, all stars. It's it's awesome to see. But at the time, I I thought that was it, and it was. It was an incredible experience, and I'm glad I did it. But it is frustrating at times to not have more fights to point at in this position because that's honestly, like, the biggest critique I get is What, what happened that. after that fight before you started uh, your family? Was there was there ideas for a second fight? Where oh, I was already in camp. Yeah, I was, in, I was already – I think I'd signed a contract. I at least verbally agreed to my next, uh, to my next fight and, you know, my joke – that I continue to just 
beat to death is that I had to pull out because my husband didn't, so. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a very MK-friendly joke. Luke, to be fair, that's a... She's right at yeah. home. I mean, let's just be honest. She's right at home. With that in mind... I don't you, know. Yeah, that's... With a, that in mind, how are your DMs these days? You used oh, to post... The, so, let's back up a step. You used to post these guys. They'd be sending, like... You know, the worst dick pics yeah. and like pitches to I you. I mean, should we celebrate these? And then, no, no, but then she would take it and then she would like dunk on it and then post it. I'm imagining they haven't stopped or no? No, no they haven't stopped. I mean, they've gotten uh, less creative. I was always the creative ones it's that, just I, dongs that now. I could like, uh, yeah, it's just, just <laughs> dicks. That's like his fucking DMs too. I don't, I don't think you can prove that. But <laughs> it's, it is wild to me. Wait, 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 what? Oh, he's always <laughs> telling me that I've got we need to viewers sending what? me their, their sticks, and they know our rules. We can have I, I literally, I tell people no on sticks. air, I'm like, yo, send your dick pics no. to Ryan. No, no, <laughs> just send them. He's no, just say no, there no was, stick pics. There was a guy for a while, and I absolutely loved it, where he would send me a dick pic every day, but it was a picture of someone named Wait, Dick. You're, you're no, way listen, too positive listen, about the first listen. half of the sentence. He was so charming. I'm going to do this to you. This is going to be great. It was a picture of someone named Dick. So it would be Dick Van Dyke or, uh, you know, they were doing a bit. Dick Cheney. Yeah. It was hilarious. And I really genuinely looked. I'm like, oh, I wonder what my dick pic is for today. That guy I appreciated. I don't was that you, BC? Did you, was that you? That was, was your burner account? <laughs> no. You know what's interesting about the dichotomy of our characters, Luke, is the me on screen is the exact opposite of me in real life, and the you on screen is the exact opposite of you in real That's life. That's true. You know what yeah. I mean? I You're unbearable that. in real life. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, can, I have to tolerate you, too. Yeah, that is also true. So um, you, you got a first-round submission against Cassie Rob. Did yeah. you uh, take on any damage? What happened? To How much did that, like, <laughs> like shit, I'm, I'm a badass. It's, it's weird. You know, I have, I have some very clear memories. Memories. I'm probably more proud of the fight before that, the amateur title that I won, because it was a war and I had my elbow popped but didn't tap and the ref didn't see it and kind of like continued on. Very Noguera of you. I yeah, like yeah. I almost knocked her out with a body kick, but she managed to, she did the whole like, ah, and I just wasn't, you know, 105 down. I don't, I don't pack a lot of heat in these hands. Yeah. So I couldn't quite get her out of there, but it was an absolute war and it was the first time I'd ever fought or even like had a, uh, Sparred or whatever, someone taller than me at 105. Like she was 5'7, 105. I'm very tall for 105. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this bitch is huge. Not huge, <laughs> but like, her, why are her arms so long? <laughs> did you, did you, who cornered you for that? Uh, that would have been, let me think about this James Krause okay. and Tim, maybe? Elliot? Tim Elliot? I'm, I'm, this is a long time ago, but I know James did because I remember hearing his his voice like in certain certain times i think she, oh giving instruction or whatever. yeah and like and like when she had me in the arm bar and yeah it was it was cool too because like i it was it was right as he was transitioning from a teammate to kind of he wasn't yet a coach on the team but in that camp in particular like he helped me figure out some strategy for what would work against her and the body kick was something that she and i were or mm. he and i worked on a lot and so I remember him saying, like, that was a really cool moment for him because he was like, it was the first time I, like, kind of had a game plan for someone and we worked on it and then it played out in a fight, so. So what's the goal here? You're trying to get on USC pay-per-views? I mean, that's the ultimate goal, but the, the immediate goal is to be um, on UFC Fight Nights. Yeah, I would like to do that, very much so. How realistic is that? Very. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. very. I mean, have you, I do can you share to what extent you've gotten feedback from the folks who are in charge of production about yeah. how you've done with Contender Series? 
they I think they've been uh, I think they've been pleasantly surprised. There was I did a I did an audition, um, you know, because that's this is the part of stuff that people don't realize. Like I've had a lot of failures. It's oh yeah. Outwardly, it's like oh this meteoric rise or whatever. But there's been a lot of stuff that's happened back behind the scenes where people have been like, oh we're never gonna do that. Like that's we would never do that. Or like why would we ever? You wouldn't you wouldn't fit in that position or. Um, okay, we'll give you an, an audition and then I fucking bomb the audition or whatever the case may be. Um, so it, it it took a lot to get that spot on the Contender Series. And I knew that first show with Paul that I had to like, it couldn't just be pretty good. It couldn't yeah. just be like, oh, she was, yeah, she was okay. You had to throw a no-hitter. I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to. And... I'm not saying it was perfect, but I feel like I achieved what I wanted to achieve. And uh, yeah, I think as a result of that, they've they've seen me grow, and I think them giving me the road to UFC. I don't want to know. I don't want to say it was a test, but to be the only color commentator now, John Gooden, <clears throat> he knows that's a pro as much as any right. you know. That's so a pro. It really, in many ways, like he provided a lot of. Seems like uh, a gentleman support. too. Like He's if I wonderful. was in a foreign country and got like shit blasted, blackout, drunk, <laughs> and I committed like a felony, like I would want him to make sure I got back to my hotel room. He, back, yes, you know? he's that guy. He's like, but he also, <laughs> I will say this about him. He's if you're out there, drunk. <laughs> yeah. He's 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 a little bit more. Uh, He's less of the bow tie in person than you might imagine. Oh, oh he'll he'll, okay. he'll 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 let. He's got a little. He's, he's a little saucy. He's a little saucy. Yeah, he's a little yeah. Saucy. he'll in, run in a little. How's your father? So wait, in so a good way. Does this way. mean in 2023 we'll see you doing fight nights? I can't make any uh, any declarative statements at the time, but I feel very I feel very optimistic about. Take the over on that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Um, that would be truly a monument. Have you? Have you I don't know. Like, what does that it's mean to hard. you? It's hard. Does it mean like it's a? It's certainly an. It's certainly an upgrade to what you've been doing. Although you've been doing great things, what would that mean to you? Is that fulfillment? Like, what is that exactly? I think about that a lot, and it's a weird question. I don't, did you ever watch that movie? That car, the kids movie, Soul. Yes. Oh, uh, the Pixar one. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. With uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. That movie made me weep, and it actually made my. He was probably six or se six at the time. Even my son was crying. Like it's a. It's. It's a beautiful a, movie. It's a beautiful movie, and it really made me think about like I'm gonna get choked up here. If I if I get to this thing that I think is the apex, that I think is like everything I want it to be, am I, am I really gonna feel that way about it? You know what I mean? Like or. Is it the moments like this, the journey and getting there, that's really the thing that I love? And that is the Sometimes, truth. Sometimes, though, it doesn't it depend on what your why actually is. Yeah. You, have you been able to look inward enough and realize, like, above all else, what is the reason you're willing to knock on doors, have the belief that things that haven't been done in a while can be possible or have yeah. never been done can be possible? Like, what at the end of the day is your why in this game? My why for what I'm trying to do started out very, uh, very much about myself and my self drive. Like I'm an incredibly driven, A-type, perfect grades, summa cum laude. Like I've always been ridiculously, annoyingly like that. However, once I started doing it, and started seeing how much it meant. Like I just, I didn't, I had no idea how much it would mean to not just women. Like I have so many, I just the other day and I always cut them out and I have a, like a little folder in my phone that I stick them in 
this dad uh, texted me and he's like, or messaged me on Instagram and he said, you know. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all new, better than ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all new nitrogen infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm from Ireland, like you don't know me, but I just, I love what you're doing and being able to do it in such a male dominated industry and do it with grace and have a sense of humor and like, just be one of the guys. Like I just, I would give anything for my daughter to grow up and be like you. And I'm like, when people, when someone says wow. something like that is, it's yeah. mind blowing to me. So now, and for a while now, for a long while now, my <clears throat> wow really is to, I'm not saying I'm gonna like shatter some sort of glass ceiling. But I want to fucking, I want to crack it. I want to put a big old crack in it if I can do that so that someone with, with a UFC tile around their belt and with, you know, the credentials, whatever, can, can smash it. I've actually never asked you your why. What is it? Not only is that uh, inspiring, but that's how my dog acts. As soon as she gets outside, like to other someone else's mailbox, she's like, I want people to know I was here so I can relate to that. Um, that's a great question. And um, I, I think your why has to be absolute. Obviously, there's other factors. Like, we all want to get paid. We all want to... Sure people to think we're cool. There's the money no, is nice. All that is great. And, I, and look, at the end of the day, taking care of my family is the most important thing above all. But what's my real why for working this hard is because in my 20s, there were times in my life that I punted life and said, yeah. okay, I, I'm, I'm, I understand now that, I'm, that I have underachieved, that I, that I gave it away. It's mm. my fault. But I know at the end of the day, no one needs to tell me, I know at the end of the day, I could have been a contender. I know I could have done something. This, no, never could have guessed this. Calling fights, never could have guessed that. But even if it was just being a nationally known writer, I knew I had something to give. And my backstory is all crazy, like every one of our stories are. But, you know, at some point, uh, you know, the good Lord decided that that uh, that I could be pulled out of the muck and that there was a second chance. Yeah. And I am forever driven not to let that chance go, that from hell or high water, obviously it helps when you're fighting to keep the lights on, which at times in our careers, that's what it's been, right? Yeah. Fighting to, to pay the rent. And that all is a great motivator, but I cannot let this thing end without giving everything I had. And even if it means getting as close to the flame and getting fired or, or fucking up or just straight up proving that you can't do it at the end of the day when you think you can, I'm willing to stand out on that, on that, uh, on that ledge and, and do that because, um, Something was birthed, and I think it's inside of all of us. We should, it, takes, it takes a while to figure out, and sometimes we don't get there. But I got there, yeah. and this thing's gonna fly. This, like, I'm, you know, it's been a wild ride, but I'm, I'm Sully Sullenberger. At the end of the day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> land that fucking plane right in the Hudson, like right. Well, first you're gonna right drive it into, into, you know? first you're gonna drive it into the geese. Absolutely. <laughs> then you're gonna put it on. Yes. The so you know, Luke, that's what it's about. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not looking for a fight. I don't even have a fight in my, in my, if, if I had a life 
box rec page. I don't even have life fights in that regard. But I, you know, I've been fighting my whole life, Luke. Okay, and if you corner me like a like a wounded animal, I will fucking kill you. All right, and that's that's actually not a message to motivate anybody. That's a threat to you directly. Okay, <laughs> you, know, you cross me, you and I cornering end. you to killing you. Okay, all right, that's the escalation. Fighting and fucking, it's the same thing. Yes. No, seriously, Luke, but can you identify with that a little bit? I can. Yeah, if I had to, I you know to the extent that I have the similar kind of feeling. Um, yeah, yeah, I would just say I didn't. I had a weird childhood. You know, I didn't have like the worst childhood, but it was not awesome. Um, I never felt like I was good at anything. I just want to be good at something, truly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, um, I've often found the things I like I can be better at than things I don't like. It's hard for me to, like, swallow and do work that I'm uninterested in. But if I like it, I can tend to just put pedal to the metal and... Uh, you want to feel like I just want to do purpose, I, Luke. You I want to feel like yeah. you lived for a reason. Okay? Yeah, I want, I, want to, I want to produce things that people find value in. Truly, that's that's really about it. Yeah. I want to entertain people. That's all it is. This is a, this is a this is another angle. I could be doing community theater instead. I'm doing this bullshit podcast, but I just want people to feel something. And that feeling you've got it, a very community theater vibe with that them. feeling <laughs> may be that they don't respect me and they never will, and I'm just that clown to them. But I don't know if I'm insecure enough or driven enough. But I I I, I need them to feel what I'm offering. Okay. This, now that may sound like I need a restraining order, but I'm not necessarily <laughs> going that road. Is that road open? It's possible, but I'm not going down that. Okay. Road. Glad, glad you clarified that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I will say, though, you know, one part about the, and no one gives a fuck about our troubles, but I just will say one part that is quite the downside, the travel. I was just going to bring that The up. travel is, like, being away from my daughter, I yeah. fucking hate My it. dogs, I feel that. I feel that when I'm not with them. You're a mother. <laughs> what about you, your yeah. kids? You feel that. I love my kids <laughs> and my like, wife. I'm motherfucking cat, <laughs> I'm saying the whole, you know, Reggie Jackson, my cat. Is, Reggie Jackson's the man. Yeah. I wondered why you went with your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I love all of my people. I get His it. dog is extremely it. sweet, though. It's an unusually sweet dog. Yeah. Um, do you what, do you feel that same? The travel? Yeah, no. I the travel. It. The travel's insane. In fact, <clears throat> truth be told, like I, <laughs> I always wondered what my limit was. You know, because I, another thing that I would attribute to my success is I just, I, you ask me to do it, I'll do it. Like opportunity presents itself. Yes, just say yes to everything. Yeah, that's a problem. And then you find yourself. Like, wow, I really, this summer during Contender Series, I found my limit. I found my limit. And it involved me in a puddle of tears on FaceTime with Mm. my husband. I can't do this. I just want to come home. Why am I doing this? What is this all for? Am I just following a selfish lead? Am I I doing this for me? Right, or am I just telling myself I'm just feeding the family when the family would probably be just as happy if I was selling insurance, right? That's that's the hardest part for me is I'm not feeding my family with this. My husband is is the breadwinner. I mean, I I make a great living now, and I'm proud of that. And I, I... that means more to me than I thought it would. Like, I hadn't been a, an earner in a while before I got married. But the reality is that if my job went away tomorrow, it wouldn't matter. So it all, it automatically feels more selfish yeah. because it's not financially necessary for my family. So then I really have to sit back and say, why am I doing this? What is it about? Is it ego-driven? Is it not ego-driven? What will it mean to my son and to my family? And how can I make sure that I don't forsake one 
for the other while I go that's down. This and by the way, and, right and, here, get, and getting that right, figuring out when you can do that, it's not so obvious sometimes. No, it's not so. It's not it's so gray. easy. It's a gray area, and and you would try to make it white or black enough to feel good at the end of the day. But you know, I don't know if we ever can feel good. But I think you know, as long as you got your things balanced and you got your priorities right, what you seem to have, then you'll be okay. But I, what you're saying right there, I feel, I definitely my feel. My son, that. my son makes all the difference. Son? He's eight, and he'll be nine in December. Ooh, okay, and. I, I, he always talks me off the ledge. He's such a, he's such a smart kid for his age. He can be a little shit like all of them can, but he, when he, he's very emotionally in tuned, especially to me, I think. And he can tell, especially during contender series, when it gets to be like that third, fourth week, I always like this analogy. You know, when you go in the ocean, the first wave comes and you're just like, like waiting in the ocean, the first wave comes, and you're like, whee! This is so mm -hmm. fun. We're in the ocean. And the second wave comes, like, ooh, this is still fun. This is cool. And then that third one comes a little sooner yeah. than you thought it would. And now you're trying to get your balance. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then that fourth one's there. And you're just like, Bub! This is like you're describing doing mushrooms. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but it's definitely contender series. Like the first couple of weeks are fine. And then week five, and then I'm doing my YouTube channel and all it, like, it, it, it's too much. But Point being, my son sat me down. Uh, he literally pulled me aside and he's like, come here. He pulled me into his room and he shut the door. And he goes, I'm gonna choke up. He goes, he goes, mom, he's like, you don't need to feel bad about being gone. I know what you're doing is super important. He goes, you're the first female commentator in the history of the UFC. He, I need to tell him about Kathy Long. <laughs> Even <laughs> Kathy Long would be like, you're fine. Just let him keep talking. I actually talking. had <laughs> a great conversation with Kathy Long. She's like, great, yeah. She's, She's amazing. Cool. Oh. I, right after it happened, she and I talked on the phone. We'd never met before. I just hit her up. I was like, our names are getting mentioned a lot together. I want to know you. We talked on the phone for three hours. It could have oh, been that's seven. Great. Three hours straight. I love that it, it, woman. Could you illuminate us? What does she feel like she what gave to it, yeah, this weird business? Yeah. Because she was, a she was a fighter before that, right? It she is. It is. She is. I like to think of her as like the female Chuck Norris of the 80s and 90s. She was doing stunt work in movies. Yeah. She was a multiple time champion kickboxer. I mean, she was a badass way before women were badasses in combat sports. Like she she is a real pioneer. Like that woman deserves that title. And I kind of sheepishly called her up because honestly, there was a part of me that felt bad that some of the headlines kept reading first. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be like, listen, I, I know that you're the first and I am not taking away from that. And she was really sweet. She's like, listen, they only had me on one show and I barely talked. You know? <laughs> She's like, and then she just ran me through. Bill Wallace wouldn't stop burping. She, That's why. She I did. Bill Wallace. And, and, and what was the Jim, uh, my brain doesn't work anymore. Brown, the greatest Jim Brown. player Jesus, of all time. Yes, 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 she yeah. has sworn me to secrecy on many a story surrounding that one show, which I want to say declaratively was not under the Zufa banner. Right. Uh, SCG. It sounded like quite the experience. And the well, one thing. When we do our Only Pipes after show, we can tell the rest. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. The one thing that I will say that never really crossed my mind, she and she was like, Laura, you have to understand, this was so far before the internet. The sport did not exist. So ask me as a striker when I'd ever even been exposed to jujitsu. Right. And I was like, oh my God, you probably, she goes, no, I had no idea what I was looking at. None. Of course I'm a striker. Of course I can call shots, but like it was this weird freakish thing. And like, I'm expected to say intelligent things about it. And she's like, I didn't know. I had no idea what they were doing on the ground because no one knew what jujitsu was. 
And, and I thought, oh my God, that must have been absolutely terrifying to be this well-respected martial artist, just be thrown in this situation, like, here, talk about this. And you're like, no one's ever seen it before. Yeah, How are you supposed 90s, to talk about it? The 90s were fucking wild. How are you supposed to talk about it? There's have, nothing. There's you know, I, I, when uh, when my kid was born, I went, because, like, you know, you'd be up at 3 a.m. just doing whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. And I would started watching movies. I was like, I'm going to watch early 90s movies. They're violent as shit. Yeah, yes. blood right? sport. There was something happening in the early 90s. Don't you feel I like that? I, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. I mean, you got, you're you're not that much younger than us. No, so your Christian parents let you watch Bloodsport? Oh, yeah, my ca my Catholic parents let me watch oh, whatever I wanted. But yeah, they um yeah, so uh did you, I mean, you you were what, in middle school in the 90s at least, right? Yeah, but I had an older brother and I was like his shadow. So really, I lived the life four years older than I than oh, I am. Yes. All what the year music, did you graduate high school? I graduated in 2001. 2001, okay. But I like I lived the music, I lived the Okay, MTV, I got a great the question. Fashion, whatever, and from you, four years ahead of me. For your life and your feelings, what is the most '90s song? For me, "Semi Charm Life" by Third Eye Blind well, is good, the most a good '90s pull. song. I it's a good very song. '90s. I, I hate that, that song. song so much. I know, but it is so First, '90s. That word it's perfectly that came '90s. Out of your mouth. I'm gonna go here. I'm ready. I'm gonna go Sublime. <laughs> Uh, what I got. What, what I got. got is a great yeah. Pick. yeah, it's a great. Pick. Alanis Morissette. It's like rain. Oh wow. Yeah. Jack, Jack Little Pill sold a lot of records. Blind, yeah. blind melon. Oh, oh yeah. No rain. Oh yeah. What's his face? He died though. Shannon Hoon. Shannon Hoon. Yeah. Wow. That was yeah. That you know, I, I got a lot of swords. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of them were dull though. But a couple of times. I'm that sure. Did you go to concerts in the '90s? No, I was too young. I was too young, and I had protective parents. I did go to like I went to a concert that was like a. Uh, Festival before festivals were a thing, so Bon Jovi was there, and I was front row, and I thought that was really cool because he like winked at me, um, <laughs> and I was like 17. Uh, but no, no, not a big. I, I I went to Dave Matthews. I take that back. I went to Dave Matthews. How was that? A lot of white people there, right? It <laughs> it was a lot of white people, and I was not enough of a Dave Matthews like died in the wolf fan where I was like yes bring on bring this on. 11 minute you know extemporaneous <laughs> yeah, jazz this, uh, solo this fantastic violin solo yeah, my like, brother went to UVA when Dave Matthews band blew up yeah. and he was oh, always shit. like oh I see them out in town in Charlottesville I'm like I don't care yeah I really don't care I, okay I, well back I then though they were good yeah they were really good honest, if I'm being honest I didn't hey well we still have some time left let's talk some headlines all right all right uh John Jones, you think he's going to come back at all? I do. You do? Okay. Do. Now, with that caveat in mind, does he actually win the UFC heavyweight title? Whoever that's against in whatever order. But by the end of whenever he comes back, does he have Looks like if you're a magic eight ball, what would you be saying? Yes. You think so? I do. Tell me why. I do. I, I think that his skill set was extraordinary at light heavyweight, and I think that it's it's been such a long process. I, I would have been more worried about him rushing to heavyweight I feel like he's been sitting in this heavyweight body for a while now, and this, the dynamism of his striking at light heavyweight, bring that into a heavyweight setting, and I feel like it, it's going to be really difficult for people to give. I, I love thinking about him facing a Cyril gone, but then you're like, well, John Jones can wrestle. Right. I mean. Um, what do you make of the, okay. What is your best explanation for the relative decline of his performance at light heavyweight towards the end there? I think for him, it has always been about stuff that's outside of the octagon. I really do. I, I think that to some degree, you're naturally going to have competitors that start to learn how to fight you better, right? Mm -hmm. Over time, people are going to get smarter about how they approach a John Jones fight. So I think we saw Dominic Reyes 
at the peak, um, really understanding how to not, you know, get fast, get past that force field that he puts up. And Let's not, shout out Maheta as well. As well, yes, yes, Tiago Santos, another. I think part of it is is people figuring John out a little bit, but I really attribute most of it to just him not being fully dialed in. I will say, if he can take that much time off from the sport, and while the game has moved on and evolved. It will be and, extraordinary. And to just d jump right back in and claim a title. It's not just that he did in a different weight class. All the time he's missed and to be still ahead of the game, it's not that I'm skeptical of his abilities, but just that alone is difficult for any human mortal to do. You know? Do you, in your mind, see, I'm taking some, I'm an interviewer. I'm gonna Here we ask, go. I'm going to ask yeah. the questions Show now, Show us Luke. that skill set. Um, yeah. In your mind, if he comes back at heavyweight and – we feel confident that he is clean, and this it feels like a fresh start in some ways. Clean-ish. I mean, look. Yeah, I mean, am I confident he's clean? No, no, I'm right. not, but I don't care. I mean, you know, at least one of our hosts might be on Delta 8 at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way of the world. I guess my question is, and I have, because I have this argument slash discussion with DC sometimes. It's a hard one to have with him in particular, and I, I yeah, can understand, I understand why. That, yeah. Are, do you allow him to have to remove the asterisk from his goat status if he does it at heavyweight? To me, he doesn't have an asterisk. I don't buy it. Yeah, to me, okay. even with the picograms, he's the goat. Yeah. If he wins the heavyweight championship in any form, sort of a you know robbery or something, he's he's not only going to already be the goat. It's with a bullet. It's yeah. where. Unfortunately for guys like Habib, GSP, Anderson, I mean the greatest of the greats, they will now look up at the at the the finest of the farm animals, yeah. that yeah. giant ass goat. Uh, you know, Honey Boo Boo Wild Thing was onto something when she was uh, calling him. She, oh, cer she certainly might have been. But yes, I mean, if he comes back and well, don't you remember that was on his phone? No. When he got pulled. So over. he got pulled over and like if you look. That at was who was on his phone. That was how it was listed in the phone. Yeah. Oh. Okay, okay I've got a better That's question. That's a good pet name. I pull. I got deep pulls. All right. Um, you remember, of course, uh, what was it, October of 2018 when Habib and Connor set a new UFC pay-per-view record, I believe, at 2.4 million buys, besting the 1.65-ish that uh, Connor and, and Nate had done in their rematch. The next great pay-per-view fight that could beat Connor versus Habib. Ooh. Are the two fighters in question even in the UFC and active at the moment? Is What's there, the yeah. next great crossover slam dunk pay-per-view that's going to rock the records? Is, do, we, do we even have those fighters right now? It is. It's John and Francis to me. I mean, That can do over two mil? We have I argued so. together. I think heavyweight, people both, love heavyweights. Exactly. Love I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it would sell gangbusters. Raiders Stadium, bro. Put it in the Raiders football stadium, okay? Yeah. Go about 80 grand I to fans. I think the, the um, not having John for a long time – creates this like buildup of anticipation. It, if it was any John, if it was the second John Jones fight after he was returned, no. But the one where he was returned, where he returns, and if it's with a, an opponent like Francis, I don't think it does that with Stipe. But if it's Francis, I, I think I think it could. It's a huge fight. I mean, there's no yeah. denying that. All right. Um, how long do you think Makachev holds the belt? In other words, who cool. is his toughest contender? These are now these are difficult questions. Yeah, of course. Well, we have. A UFC commentator here. <laughs> All right, I'll challenge her. Who's smashing through glass ceilings. She's trying to climb out of this couch. She can't answer lost. these questions. You can get lost in that, in that ass cushion <laughs> right there. Exactly. You know? Based on what I saw in Abu Dhabi, I think he's going to have that title for a while. He might, right? He might have that motherfucker for a while. A while. 
I couldn't, you know, it was funny. I was telling him there was this, uh, there was this YouTube channel that was taking people's predictions pre-fight, and we both picked Makachev. Mm -hmm. But, like, even us, we were saying things like, you know, Charles has much better striking ahead of time, which, again, ahead of the fight, that was, I, that all the evidence indicated that. And then 100%. he goes in there and then just pulls all the pins out of the grenade. Yeah. I just could, I was like, what when the he, fuck? When he lit Charles up in the first couple of seconds, I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what? Javier Mendez, who I love, He'll say things like, "Dude, Makachev's the most complete fighter ever," and you're yeah. like, "Makachev handled Habib," yeah. and you're like, "And you're like, Hav, I love you, but that's crazy." And yeah. then he goes and does that yeah. shit. And you're like, "That fucking guy, Javier, might be telling the truth." So that's when I start to really start get on these hype trains with people. When you get the gym lore, it's like the yeah. Bo Nickel thing. I know we have n virtually no footage on Bo Nickel, but it's the stories that people from his camp tell you behind closed doors, off camera, yeah. in sheer honesty. Like, that, like in no. his own way, he's a one of one like Brock Lesnar. Like in his own way, he's yeah. something just potentially extra special that we haven't seen. Yeah. Is that, could that possibly happen? Could Bo Nickel be that New Hope episode four? Young uh, Luke, I mean, that she can absolute tell bitch. Young Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and so was his father. Anakin. Dude, have you noticed how Star Wars made the most important figures whiny bitches? Anakin Skywalker, you know a hoe. A complete hoe. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> Luke, Luke Skywalker won't stop crying. But when he when Luke put on the black huh. in episode six, though, he was a bad. Now, when he turns into Darth Vader, the whole the game changes, right? He becomes like the real one. But dude, did you notice? There's the a both, lot to unpack there. So Anakin and places. Anakin and Luke are two absolute whores. Like I feel like I'm more man than Luke Skywalker. Yeah, you are. You're more I, man I than. Would have to do you say think that. they did that intentionally to make it less intimidating? Like, oh, the average man can identify with this bitch. Yeah, but isn't Anakin supposed to be all fucking special on his midichlorian levels? Yeah, and dude, he's got so many midichlorians. He outsmarted <laughs> that absolute bitch, Weidel, that flying bug. You Hold know, on, you? let's go through this. I'm so out of my depth right now on this. We're, we're, we, we, uh, this will come out after the fights. So there's no way to get it up before then, but for 281, yeah. your thoughts on the main event, who's going to win? I mean, this is not timely content. It's not. I just want to hear it for the record. Okay, for Fuck the off. record. I can ask. I... This is a fascinating fight to me for so many reasons. And I, I mean, I could geek out about this fight forever. When you watch their kickboxing competitions, you have to keep in mind a couple of things. First of all, and I had not really put two and two together about this, and I'm, this is not, someone's gonna turn this into a headline like Laura Sanko thinks, that's not an indication of my prediction. It's an interesting thing to take into consideration. When Alex Pereira fought Israel Adesanya, Izzy had, in glory kickboxing, Izzy had close to 100 kickboxing fights. Alex had around 20. So when you take into consideration that a relatively green Alex Pereira put on some really good performances, although I do actually think he lost the first one, but Agreed. regardless, yeah. very close. competitive, yeah. Very competitive. When you think, man, his, his, his camp told me, because his coach, not Glover, of course, but Plinio Cruz, was my coach when I lived here in New York City. No way. So I called him up and I was like, bro, he like, give me the give me the scoop here. And he said, Laura, people don't understand how green Alex was when they first fought. Now obviously he's very green in MMA and we can all agree that this sure. is a different sport, different and to me range. Range is the key in this one. Izzy has got to keep this where he's comfortable in the range. But I think Alex is gonna pressure him in a way that not many people have had the yeah. psychology to do.
or have been ballsy enough but can sell it. Like where I yeah. mean, if you cross that line against Izzy, normally he's going to counter you and make you pay, and that's sure. why people yeah. don't tend to do that. Alex does seem to have this villain at the end of the video game type of feel to him that he's a like he's a motherfucker. He is guy, right. He absolutely. I mean, you is. see that style and swag he's putting out. You know, poetan, poetan, right, Luke? I think that means uh, stone hands. I mean, still hands. All right, 135. Yeah. Let's assume Aljo's out till June, and I'm going to make something up here. UFC wants to create an interim title. Okay. They might not. They might not. But if they did, who should fight for it? Oh, God, that's so difficult. Yeah, that's the name of the game. It's an unforgiving I don't sport. hate, I don't hate, oh, I'm going to get absolutely crucified if I push Sean O'Malley. No, you're not. No. He's a, I mean, he's a fucking number one contender. First of yeah. all, that's the pick, okay? So, yeah. I think it's I'm Sean O'Malley. You, you can pick you know? who he, I, I think that's a monster fight. Monster fight. I, you wouldn't go Cejudo, though. I'm right. Is he really? He's cringe. Is he really? <laughs> I, love, I love Henry. I actually, off camera. I respect him, yeah. I love Henry. He is so different than his personality off camera. He's the greatest. But I guess I'm, I'm is he coming back for sure, for sure? Like, he's I know he's a testing pool. pool. He's I know, it seems like, like he, I think he probably would for the right fights. Yeah. So well, the, I don't want to see him versus Sean, necessarily. Uh, why not? <sighs> Why don't you like you didn't, fights? Okay, there, right? so let's I mean, back up a step. You didn't find what Sean did against Piotr Jan all that convincing? Oh, no. I, I, I was one of the few people who thought he won the fight. I okay. had no problem with him winning that fight, largely because I have a deep understanding of judging now. But uh, obviously a very close fight. I just I get, I guess I get more excited personally by, by Sean O'Malley Cheeto, and that's probably my bias toward, like, I just I want Cejudo to, like, actually be back before we start putting him in title pictures, but okay. I would, you're right. You make a great point. I would love that fight. Okay. So then let me see here at, at 185, if Izzy wins, he almost certainly goes to light heavyweight. He doesn't yeah. even know, he doesn't even know who else would be there, but if he loses, it creates an interesting kind of conversation. Do you do the rematch if Izzy loses because Izzy has been this undefeated champion or do you go to someone else? Because yeah. if Robert Whitaker ends up beating Paulo Costa, oh, dude, Robert Whitaker's a bad matchup should go for right to the title uh, Poetan. Yes. Like, it's funny that, yes. like, Izzy has two wins over a Robert, but if it was Robert versus Alex, I would feel a lot more comfortable just picking Robert. 100%. So what's the UFC going to do if that happens? If, if Izzy loses, if Izzy what do you loses, do? I think you, you have to do a rematch. I think that that's what they would do. BC, you said no. No, I think um, you slide Robert Whitaker in there because then if he beats Pereira the Robert Whitaker out of Sonya trilogy suddenly has huge marketability and need when right now I don't think you do need it. That would make you need it. And then an Adesanya Poetan rematch is always going to be their title or no title. You don't need a title, but you know, I'm, I'm just a scumbag, you know, you know what I mean? A, a scumbag MMA media member, which, you know, brings me to probably the hardest question I could produce right now that I don't know if you're going to answer it. Go, go. All right. Bring it. You know, Luke said, I, I wouldn't ask her this. That's, it. It's a dick move. Dana White calls you up and says, look, um, you know, you've been doing great work, okay? But I'm watching. <laughs> I need you to do a better Dana impression. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. This kid, he, you know, well, yeah. Uh, no, um, you know, hey, what's up, guys? No, I'm just <laughs> um, You know, he's like. I'm launching the slap dick league and it's the biggest thing ever. It's going to take over the world and I need you to be the face of it. Slap dick? Like I'm sorry, dick slapping? Uh, what's it called, guys? Do you know the title? <laughs> slap, slap fight. Slap. I think. No, it's Dana White's because uh, he, I mean, it's just the worst name. Dana White's power slap. Like oh, that's White okay. power, power slap. He's like, power I need you to be 
the face of power slap. Like I need, like you cannot be seen in public without a power slap t-shirt or sweatshirt on. You will be power slap. Your life is power slap. You tell him like, hey, that's really nice of you at all, but that shit's going to fail and I'm going after real fight calling. Okay, moving I probably forward. wouldn't call him a failure in the conversation no. or, or, or Okay, at the very least, would you say, you know, I there's say, better you know ways what? to invest your money. There would, just is, you know? I would just say, I would just say, Dana, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity, yes. but I think probably someone else would be better suited. You know, that was, that was not an easy question. That was an honest rebuttal. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. I, it's not my thing. But, it's not anybody's but, thing, but that's fine. Okay, I'm that's also fine, not right? like I'm not mad at. I don't know. I'm 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 not as mad at it as some people are, but it's not my thing. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I hate it actually. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I think it's indefensible. But yeah, uh, yeah. what are you gonna do? All right, couple more headlines. Hey, what should Kayla Harrison do? Oh man. It's not a UFC topic, but it is always kind of UFC related with her a little bit. I what the fuck is she here. supposed to do? I wish she would come here. At 145? Yes. I mean, yeah. we've got well, enough. There's an answer there's that needs to happen first. They need to create the UFC women's heavyweight division, which is 135 to 155. Yes. That's his idea. I, I think it's actually not a bad that. idea. And then Kayla comes in because she doesn't have to worry about cutting down, and anybody who is, you know, knows that they're a flyweight or strawweight is not going to go up to 135, I've, but everybody, 135 is, there's no division anyway, so yeah. you just make it one big thing. I've brought that up before, not not as specifically as you stated it, but the whole idea that there is no catch-all for these athletes yes. that can't make 135, because let's be real, 145 is not a thriving division. So really, if you can't make 135, which I'm sorry, but like there are a lot of athletic women who can't make 135 that is not a that's not a not very body big shaming weight. here that's reality that is reality and, and you like, already have a small pool to pull from to make competitive fights anywhere yeah so to, to have a catch-all where you could pull in some because I remember Invicta had a handful of 55 er fights it's great stuff okay but but with my romantic scenario and by yeah. the way people say no way cyborg would ever step foot in the UFC octagon again I bet you they would for a women's heavyweight championship that's me talking not her but here's the deal how is that too much of an advantage for somebody like Kayla who's basically a 55er who said in the right circumstance she can make 45 if she's going in there against people that have you know been bantamweights for most of their life is that too much or is this just what heavyweight is I mean look at heavyweight in boxing or MMA yeah if you're a small heavyweight and you're facing a super heavyweight it's going to feel like two to three divisions apart at times it's going to be massive you know I mean that's the game you play in a in a catch-all division and they would know that going in and you know, we to your point, we see that sometimes in the men's heavyweight division where yeah. people look massively different than their opponents do. And Randy Couture sometimes, versus Brock Lesnar. Sometimes we're surprised by it, you know, and sometimes we're not. That is very true. Um, okay. You might be surprised. <laughs> what are you doing? You're doing job this year. It was a comedy special. You're doing job this Showtime here. branded. I promote all the great Showtime shows. You might be surprised. Red Shoe Diaries, like... You know, I did like Richard Morning Diaries Combat Strike Force Classics. Yeah. That was another good show that we did during the pandemic. You, yeah. you got some TV money for that. Yeah, <laughs> you get some TV yeah. money. All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, we have to get out of here. So we, I'm sorry that you had to endure this, but I think you know I think it was wholesome. It was very wholesome. Yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me. What in can here. you plug? What would you like to plug? Well, I definitely want to plug uh, first and foremost Alta because that I'm super passionate right. about. Right, that Alta. used to be called Wimp to Warrior. Yes, rebrand. Well, Alta yes. is a better name. If I can way better. Didn't E. Casey Lydon, the great photojournalist, do that? Yes. Yes. To me, like I, I love being involved with them because to me, it's like it's very similar to my journey into MMA. I did it for, you know, psychological, mental health reasons, the training, and then I sort of just got sucked into fighting. But training 
MMA can be life-changing on, in, on so many levels and to have them take it where the everyday guy, the accountant, whoever can experience a little bit of what it's like and, and get that benefit of the sport. I love, love, love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what about your YouTube stuff, the one-on-one? One-on-one, baby. Yeah. Who produces that? Uh, Bet365. So it's a, it's a sponsored channel. I oh, have okay, a, okay. yeah, I have a deal with them. And I couldn't tell if that was a UFC property or not. They are. So I did, I, I got the um, connection through the UFC. So okay. they are, they're the biggest betting uh, partner of the UFC outside of the United States. Got in it. fact, they they're are. They're big in Europe, right? Outside of the United States, they are, I mean, by far, they dwarf every other They're platform. like Hasselhoff in Germany. They are like. <laughs> Pre or post burger. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have like 70 million subscribers. It's a huge, I had no idea. I had no concept because they're not, they don't have a presence here. So, um, yeah, it came through the UFC. So that's why it has like a, a UFC feel to it. And. But thank goodness, because yeah, I, I can't handle the editing and the I, 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 you'd get nothing from. All right, me. I got one more question that Luke said, "Don't ask her. Do not fucking <laughs> ask her if you have any respect for yourself." But it's a. Been a this is almost certainly can't a wait. lie. It's been a long debate between us. Look, some people have gone on record to make declarations, and it just becomes fact. Yoani Young Jacek once said. Brett Okamoto is the what best the fuck looking are we doing? MMA journalist in the game oh today. God. I really like Brett, but should we update that? <laughs> This is so fucking awkward, Brian. Yeah, this is Why the would you do that to that me? That was the point. I'm Why would you I'm do sorry. That to Dude, me? he just rolls a you know, fucking grenade look, in the room. And no, no. Like, so just, look, what, what I one do, of you assholes <laughs> jump on it? I try, you know, I try to get my best pitch over the plate, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it misses, right? You know, sometimes it misses. Yeah. Let's yeah. just sit here and, and and compare all our peers, shall we? Yeah. That won't get weird. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure John has other shirts besides the blue one. I'm sure he does. <laughs> well, I'm partners with him now, so my career is going great. Yeah, we had a good run, you know. Glad you're here, Brian. Run. Thank you, though. For, thank you for this. In all seriousness. I love Brett. I love you, and I love you. We'll yeah, well, I'm, I'm really I mean, glad. Brett's that handsome as <laughs> shit. Yeah. He, he is. certainly is. You know what I mean? You know. Why don't you go bang him? How about that? Scratch uh, that can itch. Can I just be platonic friends with another male journalist? I mean, Scratch you know. that itch. That you really <laughs> He's a great guy. You know, I would love to get him on this show one day. You know? Yeah, and you could bang him right here. <laughs> okay. Please all right. All right. On that note, so there's one-on-one on YouTube. Yeah. You'll be back on Contender Series. I will. When does the next season start? I never know. No, usually summer, next summer. Summer, there summer. you go. And then I'm maybe, the desk just maybe, week. 2023, Laura Stanko, UFC Fight Night That's commentator, all. right? Come on, Brian, I mean, bring it in. Forget about just bring maybe. She's hey, hey, coming. Hey. Bring it in. No, you know, we're knocking. Right. You know, when you're when you're coming on, you're coming on. She's she's going for it. She's making moves, and I and I I don't have to wish you luck because I I, I you know from talking to you, I know what you're made of, and you're going after it, and I Thank I you. can appreciate your your effort and your hustle in this. So uh, great things to come. I appreciate that. They Thank can't you. stop the hard work. That's right. Congratulations. I'll be on the desk next weekend, so look for that. The, Only up from there. There she is. Laura Sanko, everyone. UFC pioneer. <laughs> Take that, Brett. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>